Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big all-star game edition of On The Mark. We have Josh Wilson, director of our NBA team sites, fansided.com, about to join me on the program. Also coming up, the great Chris Carter, no longer with First Things First, but still talking to On The Mark. On The Mark, with yours truly, Mark Carmen starts right now. Josh Wilson, how are you? Doing great, Carm. How are you? So I want to tell you a story, and I really just want to tell everybody a story, But I, so I picked you. Mm-hmm. 1988, do you know what happened in Chicago? I'm guessing the All-Star Game. That's right, the NBA All-Star Game. Do you know what season that was for Michael Jeffrey Jordan? I don't have a strong idea, but I'm sure you're going to tell so me. So I am going to tell you. It's his fourth year in the league, 35 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. The Jordan uh, threes, I want to say, the big flat bottom, sweet shoe, loved him. Uh, that was the season. Jordan, of course, winning the slam dunk contest and the All-Star Game MVP, 40 points, 17-23 shooting. Isaiah Thomas, his longtime rival, throwing him alley-oops. All this was going on. Good weekend. Great weekend. So, yeah. so I want to just tell the story here. I was, I, I was doing the math here. I was 14 at the time, right? 1988. You were negative uh, a lot. Negative, negative a lot. Let's not, let's, not, yeah. let's not even go into it. So, I, so I'm 14, right? We, my, my family, you know, coming up privileged uh, suburban. We can afford the tickets, Highland Park. Although back then, Bulls tickets in the mezzanine were 16 bucks a seat. That's not bad. It's, that's Price suggested. I don't know what that is, but it's probably cheaper than it is now. Right, way cheaper. Yeah. And 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 they and the tickets also had huge value. So mm-hmm. it was like you, you'd be an idiot not to have them because if you didn't want to go, you should just sell them. Right. But so anyway, we had the seats and. Uh, the first year that we got him was 86, 87, Jordan's first year, and we got what they called Sweet 16 tickets, 16 games. The Carmen family had nine. The Boyers had seven. Nice package. Good package. Solid. You know, you got, you got, it, and it was weekend or weeknights. We had the weekend. I was in school. My father thought that was very important to not be going to basketball games during the school week. Smart. So we went on the weekends. If you got weeknight seats, though, you got better tickets. Like the weekend was more popular. So we were in the eighth row. My older brother in the mezzanine section C. No, it's aisle three, section C, uh, row H, seat 18 and 19. That's ridiculous that you remember. Yeah, that. <laughs> right, right on the corner, the meds. 
on the aisle. You could, we were like right above where you would walk up into it. So I would leap down, land about three, three, three rungs lower, land on there after a Jordan dunk, then uh-huh. run back up and high five people. You can envision this, Incredible. right? You, 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 yeah, could, yeah. you could see Carm <laughs> doing that. And then I would also leap down, run down, down the stairs at the end of the third quarter, sprint to the other end of the mezzanine, get myself the giant waffle cone. Rocky Road, Butter Pecan, sprint back, not miss any of the start of the fourth quarter. That was These were accomplishments that this, I had. At, this is a great picture you're painting yeah, for me. Yeah, you're right. Red sweatpants, Bulls sweatshirt, all of it. Of course. So the, so the next year, the Bulls, which was the All-Star Game year, Bulls said, hey, the All-Star Game's here. We've got this guy, Michael Jordan. You can either get season tickets or you're out. No more Sweet 16 situation. Mm-hmm. So my family went in. My brother took a third. My dad had a third, and the Boyers stepped up. They wanted a third too. So that 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 was the plan. So come playoff time, you know, everybody wonders with season tickets, how did the playoffs work out? I would go with my brother when it was his tickets, and I would go with my dad. So I was like this. I was oh wow. I was you got the best deal out of the family. (laughs) I did. I was in the two out of three situation. So that was that was all huge. But so all star game comes right, and the NBA is like or the Bulls, I guess with the NBA, here are your seats, but you don't get to sit in your seats. You're, so they booted us from the mezzanine, which was a good seat, not a box seat, but a, a good solid ticket, mm-hmm. all the way to the last row of the second balcony, Ooh. which was the top top level. Now, we were like in the middle on the court, so there was like that level of it, So that was, but we're in the last row. So I'm sitting there, a young Carm, and I'm looking down Who's in my seats? You know, those are my seats. I'll see whatever the hell I just right. said. And it was a dude in a Boston Celtics starter jacket because back then people still loved Larry Bird and Magic. And I'm like, you know, that that mf'er is sitting in my seats. I'm in the last row. If anything, that if that dude shouldn't even be in here, he should be sitting in the last row. But that's where I watched Bird win the three point contest and 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 Mike win the slam dunk contest and then the game the next day. Um, my father, by the way, mm-hmm. longtime lawyer, uh, l- he would go to games with me, Josh, and he would, he would always bring in the newspaper mm-hmm. and I would be like, can you leave the paper in, in the, in the car? Do I, do you really need to bring the paper in? And so like literally the action would be going on and he'd be sitting there reading the business section. Michael Jordan's huh. on the court. This dude's reading. And it's like, and so then the basket scores, you know, young Carm's jumping up or whatever, cheering. He's just dead silent. Like, it's a tough, tough guy to go to a game with. Yeah, but now, now you go to games and everybody's sitting on their phone scrolling. Right. So h- how much different is that, really? Yeah. And now it's more people are doing that. Right. So. I, I guess. That was, a, that was a good rescue of Papa Carm. For yeah. You, but. Um, I'm curious, who, which uh, brother or your dad went to the All-Star game? So that's a good question. I think I was at – I know I was at the All-Star game Saturday with my dad – I don't have a great remembrance of All-Star Sunday, mm-hmm. but I think it had to be Fred. It, okay. it, I remember the Saturday because Bird was in the three-point contest. Right. I'm rooting against him because people at that time, year four, still were claiming that Bird and Magic were better than Jordan. Yeah. I wanted Bird to freaking lose. So, And he didn't shoot great. And Detlef Schrempf, who didn't shoot great either, was leading him. He had to hit the final three shots. Have you seen this? Have you seen that clip? I'm you, sure I've seen it. Okay, yeah. so he's got to hit the final three to win the, the three-point contest. One, two, yeah. three, and he holds it, and it goes in. And Chicago Stadium goes nuts for Bird. And I'm and my dad, Johnny, reading the paper, is standing up, jumping up and down for Bird. And I'm <laughs> sitting there with like my hands you know, in my head. I hated it. Yeah. Like, well, I, I respect your commitment to the whole like 
you're Jordan or nothing. Like you're you're not gonna cheer even All Star Weekend when it means absolutely nothing to the actual like rivalry of Celtics bulls and whatever like it doesn't matter if he wins the three-point contest but you're still like i'm i'm not with this right i'm drawing the line in the sand now i it would have been good if i had learned at a young age that hey man larry's (laughs) a great player you could enjoy him you don't have to rival him this is going to hurt you later in life when guys like kobe bryant and lebron james come along and you don't really enjoy their careers because you're so caught up in michael well that's how i feel about kobe actually and like with his passing obviously i've had to go through those thoughts of like i really didn't like kobe as a player out of kind of like a like wow this guy's beating my team and like i just don't i just don't like him because he's doing that and then he you know tragically dies and it's like wow i i really wasted a lot of times that I could have respected his game and just appreciated watching him. Well, and I was I think I was on a flight back from the Super Bowl trying to make myself sound big here. Uh <laughs> and I saw that you tweeted uh your article on Kobe. Or yeah. maybe I was just at the Super Bowl. I think that's what it was. And I'm like and I with all due respect, you know, I don't necessarily read everything you write, but I'm right. like I am reading this piece and I thought it was phenomenal, dude. Thanks. I, and I I know I texted you or told you something. Twittered so, me. Yeah. So I Twittered like you. That. Yeah. The, yeah. What so what was the title of it for anybody who's listening and might want to search it? I I thought it was great. Um I, I think it, it might actually be kinda of hard to find because of all the other Kobe Bryant stuff with similar titles out there. Because yeah. I think it was just something like Kobe Bryant's legacy is gonna live. Well on you, what's your what's your Twitter? Uh, Josh Wilson FS. There you so go. So it's somewhere on there. Right. I'll, I'll pin it to my profile today, so if people go there, they can find it. But it's uh, yeah, it's it was a challenging thing to write, obviously, and I'm sure a lot of other people who wrote about him had a similar experience going through that kind of grieving process while you're writing about it. For the record, I just like to put it out there: when when Wilson blows up, you heard it first on on the mark. I'm a buyer in in, in the Wilson NBA stock. I think you're going. <laughs> I think you're going big places. I'm serious. Thanks, man. Uh, so. Uh, I, I want to be. You're. You're like. Uh, you're, I, I got you on Google in like year three. Okay. Because I, I mean, I, I can't claim the very beginning, but I'm. I'm. I'm an early buyer. You haven't exploded quite yet. So. Yeah. You're like right after mom and dad. Right. So that's that's right. pretty early. Right. Me, you know, mom and dad. Congratulations. Congra- <laughs> tremendous job. But so rewinding back to the All Star game. So the All Star game is here now. Yes. And I'm. Tr- I'm trying to think of comparisons to who the Bulls are now to when it was 88 and there's there's zero comparisons. They yeah, were yeah. they were about to go on a rocket ship. The whole city was enamored with Michael. Uh-huh. Uh the, it was a big weekend. It, maybe I was a kid just remembering, but it it just felt like it was a thing. Um the slam dunk contest was a thing. The, you know, every channel is covering every bit of it. The, right. the iconic Jordan photo from it. And now the only thing that I can compare about this Bulls team is to the Jordan teams before it. They had a high-scoring guard. You may know the name, you may not, but his name was Reggie Theus, and he was the only thing they had going. High-scoring guard, didn't play any defense. People weren't coming out to watch the Bulls. If if the All-Star game was held in 1982, you'd been the only thing, like, will Reggie Theus be on the team? And that's what it is this year. Will Zach Levine be on the team? And and no one cares. Zach Levine's a nice player. Would look a whole lot better on a on a roster that actually had players. Sure. And but it's like, 
it's, there was all this whole narrative going on. Oh, it's so disappointing that Zach Levine didn't make the All. No one cares. No one's gonna go buy a ticket to see Zach Levine. Right. I mean, it would have been. Ni- I suppose there's like one percent nicer if he's in the starting line. Hey, we've got Zach Levine. But that doesn't change the fact that everybody knows the Bulls suck, and John Paxson is gonna get booted out of his seat, and Gar Foreman's gonna be gone, and you're gonna have a whole new regime uh, coming up after the season. You think that's coming up? I do. Okay. I, I, I think that's good. I think he, that's kind of what needs to happen. Yeah, uh, it, it, it does. But it, it also comes back to, like, the Bulls in my lifetime, they've been good when they lucked into Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Akeem goes one. Portland, for whatever reason, takes Sam Bowie. They had Drexler. Didn't want to didn't want to double down on the position. Most awful philosophy of all time. Bobby Knight saying before the – well, not, not before the draft, but before the season started that Jordan's going to be the greatest player ever. Gee, would I take him or Sam Bowie to fill a position? That's moronic. Uh, but they lucked into Michael, and they lucked into Derek. Yeah, and that's like – that's I wasn't really around for the Michael stuff, but the Derek stuff, like – yeah. They really did luck into him because he's the hometown story as well, and like you have a decent team built around him. I think like if he st- stays healthy, obviously he, he was he, him and the Bulls were feared some of those playoff series. If he doesn't go down with that injury, I don't know if the those Heat teams go on the runs that they do. Right, and that's the other side of it. It's like look, uh, they would have gotten past a normal team. They just weren't getting past LeBron mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Wade and Bosh. Uh, and I'm starting to go south right now, just thinking about it. But you know, even even when Derek came back after being hurt, and they weren't the same team, and Joakim was half of himself, they still went up two games to one on him uh, with the Jimmy Butler, Derek Rose, completely misfit last year Tom Thibodeau Bulls, mm-hmm. uh, and then LeBron hit the corner th- jumper uh, to win Game Four, and then they and then the Bulls lost a tough game in Game Five on the road, and then it was over in Game Six. So they were still hanging around there. Yeah. Uh, but then it was over, and you know, you know, who's gotten a rough ride actually. And I think you're a part of that rough ride. Tom Thibodeau did everything he could to keep the Bulls competitive when Derek was not healthy. They won playoff series without Rose. Mm-hmm. Then he goes up to Minnesota. The Timberwolves are respectable for for once in their damn lives. They they actually make the playoffs, and Jimmy missed a ton of games down the stretch. They might they might have been a you know top half of the conference team if Butler doesn't get hurt. Now he's gone. So the Bulls have been a disaster since Tibbs left, and Minnesota's been a disaster, and yet everybody thinks that Tom Thibodeau is, is this unhirable guy. He actually helped two franchises from my perspective. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, part of it has to do with the personnel that he was given, um, and he like had Butler in Chicago and Minnesota. Um, right, I, I, you need talent to win. Yeah, maybe he gets a little bit more of a bad rap than he should. but um, You wouldn't hire Tibbs. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think he's a player's coach in this era. You know what I mean? Tibbs is coming in on the, if you can hear the <laughs> sirens right now. No, what does that mean, a player's coach in this era? I think there's a degree of like having to inspire your players to go out there and play really hard and play a lot of minutes. But also in this era, it's the load management era and players want to stay healthy and play long careers. And there's probably some uh, balancing you have to do there. And uh, players are getting told, you know, players are getting told things from the health staff about playing maybe fewer minutes or managing their, you know, how hard they play or whatever. And so if your coach is telling you something different, like I want you to go out there and play 40 something minutes a game, that doesn't really line up with what you're getting told by medical professionals. So I think there's, you know, maybe he doesn't fit into that part of 
the game these days. Uh, oh, and I can tell you're, you know, obviously rolling your eyes at, at all that. No, 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 no. I am rolling my eyes, but I also am rolling my eyes in a way like, you're right, he does need to make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. I also am rolling my eyes at the the whole load management thing. I respect LeBron. If I'm healthy, I'm going to play. Uh, a lot of people are knocking on Andrew Wiggins, by the way, I guess, who just got traded. I want to get into that. He plays – Wiggins is out there 82 nights in a year, 81, 82. If you look at his games played, there's a lot of players who have the durability to do it. Now, if you're, if you're Kawhi and you've had a huge injury and it's impacted you where you can't be on the court without it, okay. Yeah. And, and it's lingering with Kawhi. Like, yeah. that's what I think a lot of casual fans don't understand is that, like, this injury that he has with his quad, it doesn't really, like, go away. It doesn't just heal. And it's, it, like, kind of creeps back up. And part of the management process of that is sitting and um, not playing every single game so that he can be there for every game of the playoffs. And it did it for Toronto last year, and they won the title. Look, I'm right. sure they luck into some of that, but a, a big part of it was Kawhi being there every game in the playoffs. Right. Uh, in in special circumstances, I get right. it. Right. Special. It, it is a special circumstance. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. And but for the most part, like, look, there's a lot of they travel first class. Mm-hmm. There's tremendous trainers and physical therapists and everything available to them. Yeah. There's less back to backs. These guys are. 20 to 25 to 30 years old for the most part they can handle the schedule I, i'm not for the for the most part set you want to take a handful of nights off okay mm-hmm. but but for the, like come on but how, how many some of these guys i think maybe they do want to play but they're being told by their coach or, or medical staff that they can't like joel Embiid, i think he probably wants to play he, every single game he's one of those guys yeah physically always impacted mm-hmm. i never trust he's going to stay healthy i would i would watch joel Embiid extra right. careful i would if i was the sixers but if i was i don't know the miami heat with jimmy butler i'm not worried about it right dude's played a ton of minutes he's proven his body can handle it. at some point he'll fall off the map but yeah. until then i'm i don't think one less five less games a year is going to preserve him for five more right. years and he's probably one of the most durable players like top tier players i would say in the nba other players are obviously a little bit more injury prone he hasn't really and, encountered and, that and, issue and by the way on an individual night i wouldn't play him 44 minutes every night i'd, I'd play him 30, right 30. and i think that's where tibbs got some of the bad rap is that he he kind of would do that on well just he, games that weren't really too significant he straight ruined joakim noah <laughs> yeah he he, he, he when when Noah was not right, he kept running him out there, and that was that. That's the whole point, by the way. If Noah was healthy, he would have been fine to handle it, but he wasn't, and so now he's dragging his leg around there, and and it, and, and it's impacting the rest of his body, and yeah. his career was never the same. Uh, all right, before you go, Wilson, and when we move on to our distinguished Super Bowl guest this week, couple of trades that uh, we disagree with. Mm-hmm. You think that Minnesota? Got the better end of the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade. You think that you're one of those, he's a high volume, low percentage score Wiggins and the money doesn't add up versus somehow you create value with D'Angelo Russell, who was a whack job with the Lakers, Uh then proceeded to do well in a contract year in Brooklyn but still was traded, I get it, for a high-level return, but still was traded to Golden State, who realized he wasn't a fit there. If he was this great fit, great player who was providing so much value, they probably don't move him. But they did two months later, 
into the, or two months into the season to the T Wolves. But you think this is going to be a great fit for D'Lo and well, Cat in, in Minnesota? Yeah, I don't think it's totally fair to say that. Oh, he's traded the Warriors and they dumped him super quick, so that means he's not valuable. I think you have to look at the context of why he was on the Warriors, and it was basically repayment for Kevin Durant leaving. It was like the Warriors were either going to lose Kevin Durant straight up or they could sign and trade to get D'Lo. If you're going to do one of those two things, you're going to you're going to get an asset back if you can over a player just sure. walking for nothing. So there's that context to it. I think the Warriors knew from the jump that he wasn't necessarily a fit with their system and that they were going to eventually piece him together in a trade and move him for something. I felt like the Warriors, why they lost this trade, was they could have held on to him a little bit longer until the offseason or even into next season, and they could have gotten even more for him um, versus what they got from the Timberwolves. And they got some good stuff. They got a top three protected first-round pick. That's that's great. Um, but on the Wolves' side, I think they, they win because – Basically, you're looking at a situation where Carl Anthony Towns is not happy or is becoming unhappy at least. That part, I'm with you. So you're looking at this could potentially be Anthony Davis level. I just want out. This small market's not working for me. It's cold here. I want to get out, and I'm not not happy. So from that perspective, he's best friends with D'Lo. I think him and D'Lo will work well on the court together. You don't want to trade for somebody just because they're friends. But they will work well on the court together. They are friends. It's going to make Cat happy. It's going to hopefully keep him there and keep him – invigorated and excited about what they're doing in Minnesota, which I think for that part of it is huge. Uh, and, and the play, like they can pick and roll all day. And, and I think D'Angelo is a really good player. And what kind of fit do you think Wiggins is with the Warriors? Uh, I think he has the potential to be a solid fit. Uh-huh. I, th- I think uh, depends on, I guess we're going to see a little bit about how the Warriors can like. I would say a perfect fit. Perfect. Okay, I wouldn't say that. But. What, because he doesn't shoot it well enough. Why? Because he can shoot the three, he does slash. He's not going to be a ball hog alongside yeah. Stephen Clay. What do you? What, I, I, what do you I think. Okay, so I guess in an ideal world, if he lives up to his ceiling, then yeah, he he probably is a perfect fit. But right now, we haven't seen that. Like the fact that he doesn't need the ball in his hands is great for Stephen Clay because they can just. It's also great for him because yeah. it, it'll make him look better. Let the, let the ball naturally sure. come to him. In a place where he has an advantage. I think you get some of that, like, Harrison Barnes effects right. with him. And that's probably, you know, his, his career probably will, uh, in terms of what people think of him, have a little bit of a spike here. Um, and, and great for him, I guess. Did, did you see uh, my guy Nick Wright, by the way, first things first, getting attacked on Twitter for his Andrew Wiggins take? I, I did not see that. So um, I just if, I'm pull it up right here. But he, Nick was, you know, all in on Wiggins sucks. And this is a terrible trade. And Bob Myers, the Warriors general manager, does not know what he's doing. And people, NBA Twitter, despised him for it, including Matt Barnes, who threatened to come to his house and beat up Nick Wright. Matt Barnes is uh, known for doing that. <laughs> I mean, he, is he really? I well, didn't, the whole I, Derek I didn't Fisher re- thing. I didn't realize that he is throwing out threats like i know where you live basically he did that to Derek fisher uh, if i'm remembering that situation correctly i forgot about the Derek fisher deal Derek fisher is you know they work together and we're both players uh nick wright is not an (laughs) nba player good guy but (laughs) no no he's not and i'm a little you know i'm a little biased because i worked with nicky and whatnot although i completely am with uh matt barnes on his take over the uh 
the Nick Wright Wiggins is an absolute disaster for Golden State. Sure, but, but that doesn't but mean I, he needs to go to his house and uh, no, right? It, I, I, no, but it, I, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, a good friend of mine is being threatened uh, by former NBA player. Yeah, and, I hope and, that and might die. I hope that never happens to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, well, actually, it'd be a good moment in your career if if you were threatened. Well, I had a I had a player's dad come at me. Really? Over something Who? Else. Um, Kendall. Kentavious Caldwell Pope? No, no, no. He's not even in the league anymore, so I'm struggling to remember his name. Kendall Marshall? Kendall Marshall's dad came after you? Yes. I remember Kendall Marshall. He played for Carolina, right? Yes, and he was playing for the Sixers, and I wrote something that wasn't particularly the nicest thing about his game because he was not a good player in the NBA. And his dad came after you? His dad was not happy, yeah. <laughs> uh, his dad and I, we since smoothed it over. over. Uh, we spoke on the phone after that whole thing went down. And uh, I guess put our differences aside, but it was just a weird thing because uh, I was just, you know, right calling it how I saw it on the court, and his uh, dad was taking for, further further evidence that I am buying Google early here with Wilson that that Kendall Marshall's dad was reading your stuff and and came at you. Uh, I want to wrap up our NBA segment with I went to see the Bulls play last week against mm. the Pelicans, so Zion's in town. Fun was fun. Zion not healthy. He's got a bad toe. He's l- carrying his leg around on the court. And I talked to Alvin Gentry. I was in the media scrum with him at, you know, at shoot-around at 11 o'clock before the game. And I asked him about, like, are you worried about his durability? Now, he can't say yes. It's not a great question by me because what's he going to do? It's his head coach. But, he, but Alvin was, like, clearly annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you all think with his body type, you know, he's fine. He's fine. And so I think that Alvin is actually sort of doing – I wouldn't call it Tom Thibodeau thing, but I think he's actually trying to prove to people that he's okay and he's keeping them out there. Yeah. When in reality, like, hey, he's probably taxing his body in ways that he doesn't need to right now, coming back from a knee injury slash now toe injury. Mm-hmm. And the Pelicans should be thinking long term versus like doing some fake, like, hey, Zion's back and we're going to throw him out there every night. But he was dragging his leg around on the court. And then later in the game, he all of a sudden shows tremendous low post talent and explosion down yeah. there. So it's like, it, I'm not 100% certain. Like, are you faking over here? And now you can do that. But he doesn't look healthy to me. And I did a video on, you know, Zion Williamson and creating the perfect basketball player. And I compared him to Dominique Wilkins and Charles Barkley and a million mm-hmm. other NBA talents. But I'm going to tell you straight out right now, I am worried that Zion is never going to be quote unquote Zion. I'm not. I, I. I'm. I'm almost to the point that I'm a seller on him ever being NBA superstar Zion because I don't. I don't think he's going to last. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely early for that. Um, right. I. I wouldn't sell just yet. I think uh, what we've seen from him when he's even if he's not all the way healthy yet has been solid. Um, hopefully, he does get healthy. I enjoy watching him. Like it, so do I. Some, just the the double jump ability that he has, like to grab his own rebounds and uh, to get balls out of bounds. I think it was in that Bulls game. He had a really tremendous moment where um, he like jumped up to get a ball that was going out of bounds and saved it and like tipped it back in. That I just felt like no other player in the NBA would have been able to do that. I'll tell you another thing about him that no other NBA player can do. His mm-hmm. ass is freaking enormous. I, what I, about uh, Kyle Lowry? Like him and Kyle his, Lowry his, are probably his, like one and two. He, for biggest wagon in the NBA. I mean, I think I think Zion's like three times Lowry's ass. Yeah. I mean, that thing is. I mean, I'm watching him walk <laughs> out there. I'm like, you're. I mean, that thing. I guess it's a 
can be a benefit to him because that's part of the reason why down low you don't want that. What'd you call it? Wagon. That wagon. <laughs> He's got that wagon into you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm looking. at him like, I've never seen an ass like that in the league. And that, yeah, that includes like old man, fat Charles Barkley, Houston Rockets Barkley. <laughs> maybe maybe that is around there. But like, I don't know. I know. How old is Zion? Twenty? Is he? Is he? Is he? Is he even twenty one yet? He can't drink. I don't think. Um, Zion Williamson is. I, I feel n- like- he's nineteen years old. July 6th. No 19-year-old has ever had ass like that. No, and I'm sure, you know, Shaq at some point. Had, Shaq had a, back then was like athletic Shaq? No, no, not at that age. I mean, later in his career. He, sure, um, sure, but not 19. Right. 6'6", 284. Good God. I don't think he's 284 right now. I bet he's closer to 300. Yeah, I would say so. so. He's, he's a big boy, um, and there's obviously a lot of controversy on is that is he healthy? Like, yeah. is his does he need to slim down? Um, I think it remains to be seen, but uh, – he is definitely a unique body build for sure, for, especially for the things he can do. Last thing from you, Josh Wilson. Who wins the NBA title this year? Uh, I'm I'm thinking the Lakers, and I I just feel like they have length and size, and also the skill to go with that that no other team can match. Um, I think it's going to be Lakers Bucks, and I am excited for that because I think the Bucks be great are series. one of the only teams that can match their uh, size. And the just the physical nature, the physique of that team, um, but I think, especially, I'm, I would be excited too to see, you know, LA loses Nipsey, LA loses Kobe. It would be from just a human standpoint cool to see LA get something this year. Right, the Clippers. Sure, but I think most <laughs> of the people in LA would prefer the Lakers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Uh, Kobe Bryant, you're the greatest, and uh, so are you, Joshua. So thank you for joining us. Appreciate Absolutely. you letting me Thanks get in. For having my- me. 88 All-Star Game. Looking forward to being there. All We'll have a ton of All-Star content next week. Coming up next, right now, here is my conversation with Chris Carter at the Super Bowl. He calls me Parm. It's Carm. My man, CC. Great to see you, Chris Carter. Good seeing you, man. The Hall of Famer. Okay, now who are you representing today? Because when I first met you, you were representing a lot of different things. So, th- so this is fan side. <laughs> this is home base. This is number one. But what he's talking about is we went, we went to a, a, a Ohio State Buckeye game. Yep. I forget who were they playing that day. It doesn't matter. Penn State. Penn State. Okay, it does matter. Look at that look. Look at that look. Look at that look. And it was, it was, a, it was a hell of a victory. They came back and got it. Mm-hmm. But I, I went to Iowa. But I was wearing my Northwestern hat, and because I grew up rooting for the Wildcats, so we're, right. on, we're on the field. CC gets us on the field. We're in the corner of the end zone. It's sweet, and they're like, "Who's that weirdo down there with the Northwestern hat?" And we, I got us all kicked out. I apologize. Yes. I apologize. Got our badges and everything. I was the only one with the badge, but I had four people on one badge. But great seeing you again. Continued success to you, and I'm glad I could join you in Radio Row, Super Bowl 54. Yeah, so, all right, let, let, let's, let's talk about you first of all. I, I just want to say I, I miss you on the TV, and I, I know that, uh, you know, that's not, that doesn't define Chris Carter, but I do miss seeing you every morning. Well, thank you. I mean, when you start, people start changing their lifestyle in morning TV, so I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun doing it. I don't think my TV days are over with, so um, 
I would say in the next couple months, I'll probably be doing something. Okay, so we don't know exactly what's next, but something's going to come next. Uh, you you're don't too know talented. exactly what's next. I know exactly what's oh, you, next. Oh, okay, okay, yes. okay, okay. <laughs> as, long, as long as you know, I, I'm, I'm good yes. with it. Let, let me, okay, I got it. Let me, let me run through my topics here. Number one, what, what should Tom Brady do? Because that team probably isn't going to get over the hump, but he's got that partnership with Bill. He's got people that are going to come after him. You're Tom Brady sitting in his seat. At this stage of the game, I'm not going to go and learn a whole new system and try to depend on a whole bunch of new players, new coaches, and things like that. They have a great system. Belichick does a great job. They need another wide receiver. They need to keep trying to fortify that offensive line. They need to do a better job of running the ball. Tom Brady should go back to New England because that's the best chance for him to win a Super Bowl. What other team do you take off? Let's just take the Chargers and say, what if you plug Tom Brady in? The other pieces around him in New England are better than anywhere else. And that's the reason why he should go back. What about Chicago? Put a, put a quarterback on that team with that defense. Like, why, a, don't we, why don't we open it up to anywhere? Hey, I'm Tom Brady. I will, I will come to any team that is quarterback well, star. this is the thing. I know their defense in New England is going to be a top five defense. And all the policing that Bill Belichick does. And one of the equations that most people don't utilize because men, we're idiots, we're stupid, we don't think about it, but Tom Brady's got a wife. And right. she's got a bigger voice than the Bears, than the Chargers. So to me, it looks like going back to New England is the best for Tom and his career and for his family situation as far as his wife, who I know has a speaking voice in that. You see these notes over here? These are some sweet notes. I, okay. I, I listed players that I want to hear. I want, I want stories from. Go we'll, right we'll, ahead. We'll, we'll move on. I, my first guy I wrote down is, is, is Herschel Walker. Tremendous work ethic. He was one of the guys. He used to run a couple miles and do all his sit-ups before practice. So he was a wow. guy who got up early in the morning. Um, Kobe Bryant passed away. People talk about Kobe Bryant's legendary work. Herschel Walker is one of the hardest working people that I've ever met and one of the nicest human beings you'd ever encounter. It's funny, I just saw him at the national championship game. He was on the first flight out of there. It was early morning Herschel. Uh, since you brought up Kobe, uh, you know, one of, one of the tougher days in sports history. I mean, how many guys have passed away 41 years old? And, and that guy, too. Um, I, I rivaled him because, uh, you know, I was a Jordan fan. Here's a guy who's coming at him. You know, all, I think a lot of people, and a lot, you know, even in L.A. when he gets there, the people were, were – doing stuff to LeBron's billboards because they were competitive loving Kobe so much. Yeah, I, I don't think Kobe got the appreciation that he did when he was living until he passed away on Sunday. And yeah. that's when people start realizing, man, this dude was the closest thing that we had to Michael Jordan, not only in size but in style, the way he mimicked his moves and everything. And, and I think because he mimicked Jordan and because he played with the Lakers, people held that against him. Like, he was one of the all-time truly, truly greats. No one will get to the Michael Jordan level, but Kobe Bryant was sure enough striving to. And to me, you know, it's been inspirational because he was one of my favorite all-time. And he talks about not wasting a day of practice, not wasting repetitions, and that's what really what life's about, not wasting. And Kobe Bryant was the best at doing that. And I, I just thought – Danny Boy, what up, baby? Sorry to hear the bad news. The Hall of Famer Dan Marino. man. All right, we'll talk later on, man. Love you, dog. Good seeing you, Fudge. Dan Marino dropping by us I, a little bit. I, I mean, I, I saw you looking up. I, was, I didn't know who you were looking at. The 13. Man. Underrated. Greatest thrower of the football that's ever lived. Right? Greatest <laughs> thrower ever. People on this Patrick Mahomes train, go back and YouTube Dan Marino. 
I mean, I remember it. I, I was, you know, 11 w when he came into the league. Uh, I'll, you know, you, you, you played against the, the, that Bears team in the Fog Bowl, and I love Jim. You play with Jim McMahon too. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if that guy gets drafted in Chicago, how many with that defense? He's got. He's me. He maybe has more than. And than the Brady. wind can't. Wind can't affect this ball. No. No. Dan can play anywhere. He was fortunate enough to play down here with the Dolphins. He's been a tremendous hope for Super Bowl, host for Super Bowl 54. Did you did you get along with me, man? Yeah, yeah. Jim's cool, man. Yeah. Jim's a really cool dude, man. I enjoy playing with him. A lot of wisdom and everything. And Jim McMahon, I mean, you're talking about a gutsy guy. Pound for pound, <laughs> toughest guy I ever played with. Really? Pound for pound. That's a big-time statement right I mean, there. he couldn't walk on Mondays, Tuesdays, a lot of Wednesdays. He'd come out there a little bit on Thursdays move around on Friday, in some kind of way be able to play on Sunday. I got the ultimate respect for Jim McMahon. So let me ask you about Marshawn, because he talked about taking care of your chicken, taking care of your mentals. And you're a guy that's clearly done that. And the, the mentals, I mean, mm -hmm. you took a lot of hits out there, and you're functioning fine. How, how, do you, how did that work for CeCe? Right. I just think that, you know, I've been in the health and wellness for a long time, and yeah. I just think that there's really some components. And part of the reason why I'm here on Radio Row is my partnership with Sleep Number. They happen to be in an unusual partnership with the National Football League. In the last two years, we have 2,000 players currently that are utilizing the Sleep Number. We have a number of, of prominent players in the league, Dak Prescott's utilizing it. So not only the current players, we have some of the gridiron greats, and then we have some of the Hall of Famers, Johnny Randall, my teammate. He's the first person that exposed me to Chris. Hey, man, you can repair your body. So when Marshawn Lynch is talking about your mentals, he's talking about, okay, mental health. Like, when are we going to start really taking this serious? And that all those components that exist in that, health and nutrition, exercise, and the sleep component. No matter what you're doing in life, sleep is a necessary ingredient to that. And doing it with sleep number, we can do it at a better, at a higher level. And if you're a diva wide receiver like me, you can get the adjustable, <laughs> you can get the foot warmer, you can get the travel pillows. I slept in my on my, my sleep unit last night in Boca Raton and drove down this morning to Miami. Did you see how seamless you did that? That was like straight pro professional marketer. Yeah, that's not Northwestern. That's not Iowa. That's Ohio State. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the Ohio State. Oh, let, me, let me wrap up here then. Yes. I, I know you're a busy man. Pat Mahomes, you mentioned him. On progress here, if things keep going, I don't know. He could be everything combined. Greatest QB of all time. We're getting way too in front of ourselves well, here. Just the, man, you and all your other young colleagues that like to get out ahead of the story. We got to. This is the thing. <laughs> How could he ever be better than what we've seen the last 20 years in Tom Brady? Okay. Nine Super Bowls. Yes, very good. N n n n nine Super Bowls. So, okay, but. No, no, no. Nine, nine Super Bowls. But don't we. I played 16 years and didn't get the one. Okay. So we're just going to disrespect nine Super Bowls just like that. No, I, I don't want to disrespect it, but I do want to say I think we overvalue winning just a little bit. We, you just mentioned Marino, greatest throw of all time. You've got to have people around you, right? It's not just the No, QB. we don't overvalue winning, but the quarterback is more of an indicator. He has more of an influence on the game. Okay. If you're, the game is 70 plays, and the guy, one guy's touching the ball 70 times. We should put more emphasis on him and his overall productivity. No, I can't compare Dan Marino and Tom Brady, but I know Dan Marino was a better quarterback. Why? Because I watched the game. And there's a thing that no one wants to really look at. It's called the eye test. Dan Marino can make any throw on the football field at any temperament, any speed, any velocity. 
Now, get did, it. did Tom Brady have the best situation? Yes. And we're not going to take that away from him. But I'm going to include Dan Marino in every list that I ever make that includes talking about the greatest guys that ever played quarterback. Give me, give you, I'll let you out on this one. Give me your, your, give, give me your top four. Top four quarterbacks. I'm going to go with Tom Brady, Joe Montana. I'm going to go with Dan Marino. And the last one. <laughs> Man, this is hard, man. John Elway a bad dude, though. John, hey, hey, relax, man. Relax, relax. John Elway is a bad dude. Yeah. And that's another guy. But I, I could have had, had Stahl back in there because of leadership. Like, right. he was one of my favorites. You wouldn't put Peyton in there, though. Another, another, just, my list is done. You asked yeah. me for my okay, list. Okay, okay, okay. CC, great to see Thank you. you bro. Can't wait for what's next. Morgan with Sleep Number. Get yourself a sleep number. Get yourself a sleep number. See you next time. Thanks for listening to On The Mark. Appreciate you checking it out and appreciate Chris Carter, my main man, Josh Wilson. Enjoy the NBA All-Star Game. Hopefully have a bunch of All-Star content for you next week. Subscribe, rate, tell a friend. We'll see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.